And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. The League of Ireland Premier Division kicked off last week, and this week it's the return of the long awaited and controversial First Division. Joining us on the line from Bar One Racing is Kieran Bork to discuss the ins and outs alongside all that controversy. Kieran, welcome back to the big kickoff. Lads, good to hear from you. Great. Kieran, listen, let me name out a few teams for you Drogheda, UCD, Galway. Cabinteely, Wexford, Cove, Bray, Longford, and Athlone. Are we missing anyone? <laughs> I can see where you're going with this already, yeah. <laughs> I suppose Rovers too must really feel like outsiders today. Let everyone know about the, the First Division Alliance and their statement today. Yeah, well, the, the nine clubs you named there um, all announced last night there was going to be a statement released this morning and... Uh, this morning, I'm sure plenty of people seen the photo on Twitter that you've just referenced there, where the uh, the clubs uh, use the hashtag. I think it's the People's League they're going with, isn't it? And, yeah. Um, yeah. The nine nine uh, logos or crests that teams were displayed. The Shamrock Rovers two crest, or the Shamrock Rovers crest was omitted from that. Um, so initially, there was a bit of confusion. People thought that this was the big statement we were all waiting for, which would have been a bit a uh, bit ludicrous. But they they did follow it up with a with a fairly well detailed statement. They probably should have done it in reverse order. The probably the statement should have come first, and then uh, maybe throughout this photo if there was any need for that at all. But uh, yeah, it was a dramatic morning to say the least in the first division, and what's been a, an off season of absolute chaos. Yeah, and so what are the clubs threatening? Are they just threatening not to play next year? Um, well, the talk is at the moment that there will be some type of uh, B division or reserve league hopefully in place next year. So this doesn't happen because um, we spoke about this before when I was last on. But yeah. there is other clubs that have made uh, noises about liking to, uh, mm. trying to get a B team of their own up and running. Dundalk definitely been one of them. And I think maybe St. Pat's and Cork might have been mentioned in the past as well. So um, obviously the first division clubs don't see that as acceptable that they could have a league where you could have maybe 50% of the division made up of B teams. So uh, going forward... I think they very much accept this is going to be a short-term solution with Shamrock Rovers B or two playing in the first division this year, and then next year they'll uh, they'll fully expect it to be back to the uh, the normal team, shall we say? Yeah, and you're uh, as a Longford man, how how is it settled now? Are you okay with Shamrock Rovers two being in the league this year? Um, I'm okay with the fact that there's going to be ten teams in the division as opposed yeah. to nine, because obviously Limerick didn't didn't apply for license, even if they did at a. I'd uh, have major question marks over how they would have been allowed in with everything that's going on down there and uh, the fact they don't have a player, players on the books, a manager mm-hmm. or, or even a stadium to play in at the moment. So um, it's probably better that we have a solid entity like uh, Shamrock Rovers 2 in there. Uh, for me, the issue uh, more than anything else is how the decision, decision was reached, um, how the, the lack of communication between the clubs and the FEI seems to have played a part here and uh, seems to be a real lack of transparency in how the decision, decision was reached. But... Um, Look, we are where we are, and the clubs, I think, have just accepted that. Uh, they, they said it in their statements that they could have gone down the legal road with this, um, but it would have caused a major delay to the start of the season. That's going to cost clubs money. They don't have money. they don't have that money to uh, to be playing with. So I think they just accept they have to roll their sleeves up and get on with it now. Yeah, imagine that, a lack of transparency in Ireland. I never heard mm. the likes of it. Galway, with all their decent business in pre-season, don't seem to be able to rally a lot of the experts behind them. Most of them predicting a four-place finish, most likely. What are your thoughts on Galway, Kieran? Yeah, I definitely see them pushing the top three. Uh, obviously, Bray are going to be up to Bray, were my big major disappointment of last season. They invested heavily in the off-season last year, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Capintilli got in ahead of them, so that was a, a very poor showing from Bray. But they've stuck with Gary Cronin, and they've invested in behind them again this year in the transfer market. Gary Shaw is the marquee signing coming in from St. Pat's, but they've also added Jack uh, Watson from Capintilli, who I think is one of the most 
underrated midfielders in the division. And Aaron Barry coming down from Cork as well, he should uh, really stand out at this level. But on Galway, the business they've done is absolutely unbelievable. Obviously, this project DNA we all heard about last year, that seems to have uh, gone out the window quite quickly because uh, you've got the likes of Shane Duggan, Mikey Place, Dino Halloran, Michal Schligeman, just to name a few uh, very experienced and well-known names within, within the League of Ireland coming into that Galway side. They've retained all of the good young talent they had last season and uh, they've also re-signed Vinnie Faraday, which is, a, which is a big boost to them as well. So uh, there's a bit more experience in that Galway team this year. They were very inconsistent last year, but those additions should uh, give them a bit more steel and I definitely think they'll be in the top three or four this year. Yeah, the price of 9-2 to two, uh, also shows that. Uh, the bottom three... I mean, the bottom three seem to be heavily predicted with Athlone, mm. Wexford and Cabin Teeley. Is there any chance of these shocking us at all whatsoever? Um, well, when you look at Athlone, they're shopping for players from the likes of Tullamore Town, uh, Willow Park, yeah, who are a local geez. team in Athlone, and, and other uh, teams from the, from the Leinster Senior League. That tells you the market they're shopping in. Uh, Wexford are very much giving young players an opportunity. They know they can't um, compete financially with the likes of Galway, Longford, Drogheda. So what they're doing, is they're getting young players in uh, that are on the fringes of senior squads and they're giving them first team minutes and that has to be respected fair play to Wexford for that you know it's giving young players a real opportunity to play senior football week in week out but it's very hard to see how they compete, can, can compete so um, just ignoring Shamrock Rovers 2 for a moment the bottom two without Shamrock Rovers 2 because it's very hard to predict where they're going to be when nobody knows who's actually going to be playing for them this season um, and I think Wexford and alone will be your bottom two you mentioned Cabin Teeley there their squad has been absolutely decimated in the off-season. Obviously, they made the playoffs last year for the first time in their history, um, but they didn't get promoted. And the Vultures, they soon swooped in there, and uh, they've lost, really, the vast, vast bulk of their key players from last year. So it's going to be very hard for Cabantilli to compete. Whether they'll be as low down as in the bottom three, I'm not so sure, but um, it's going to be a struggle for them, no doubt. Yeah, Cove Ramblers actually announced the other day, or is it today, the, the Metropole Hotel uh, are the club's new main sponsors for the season, which is fantastic news. But I do ask myself from time to time, is there room for two Cork teams in the league? Like, is it ever possible for Cove to surpass Cork City? <laughs> well, the way Cork are going at the moment, you wouldn't know, would you? <laughs> uh, on the pitch, it's not looking good. And from what we're hearing off the pitch, it's not looking great either at Cork, which is a real shame because that is an absolutely massive club in Irish football. And they really shouldn't be finding themselves in, in situations that they found themselves in the past. But look, we'll, we'll move on from that for tonight and focus on the first division. Um, Cove, they, obviously, it's going to take a... Stephen Henderson, he left his post before the end of last season, so it's not a new thing that they're without him this year. But it still will take a little bit of getting used to watching Cove and not seeing Hendo on the sideline. He's such a char- uh, colourful character as well. But uh, Stuart Ashton's in there now, and he's a well-respected uh, man within Cork uh, circles. And I think the fact he's been able to retain the vast bulk of his squad from last season probably speaks volumes to that. And uh, the addition of John Cabinet from Waterford is, is a marquee signing for them. So, again, I think they'll probably be there uh, in around where they were last year. I don't see them competing uh, up in the top half, but they'll always, they're always a hard side to beat, especially down in St. Coleman's. Yeah. One of the, the sticky points, I suppose, for the, the clubs in the league with Rovers too was the fact that they were the players they were bringing in are probably players that could have went to other teams. Who have Rovers too brought in? Well, we don't know. There's no squad list in. With no, the, with nothing the at all. Uh, no, amazingly, uh, the season starts tomorrow. They play Longford on Saturday. Um, I know <laughs> the Longford Town media man tweeted out today that there's not going to be a Shamrock Rovers uh, squad list in the match programme because um, they simply can't get one. So Longford are preparing for a game. And Darren Oyle was on the Between the Stripes LOI podcast this week and he said he has absolutely no idea who he's preparing for. He called for a level playing field because every other squad has their um, list in with the FEI. Shamrock Rovers too don't. So... 
uh, again you can see why the first division clubs are very unhappy at the moment yeah um, UCD mid-table rebuild um, what about the top three Bray, Longford and Drogheda what separates them? Um, I'd go with Drogheda to win the title at the moment just ahead of Longford I um, think Drogheda Longford have kept the vast bulk of their squad from last season. They've lost Anto Breslin, uh, who went to Bowes and deser- deservedly so, the best left back in the division by far last year. And unfortunately, they've lost Conor Kenner to retirement. He's just going to play in the Leinster Senior League this year. Um, and he was an absolute star at the back last year. So I think the back four might be slightly weaker at Longford this year. Um, but on top of that, uh, they've also kept the vast bulk of their squad. If, in fact, they've kept everyone they'd like to keep. And uh, they've brought into addition um, some experienced names. Derek Prendergast, in particular, he won the league last year with Shells. So to have that experience coming into your uh, dressing room is great. They've got Jack Chew in from Cavantilly, very solid defender. Huey Douglas, very solid at the back as well, and, and plenty of experience. And they've brought in a good young player, Richie O'Farrell from UCD. So I think they have a nice blend of youth and experience. And for me, that's just what separates them. Longford probably. They could do with a few more experienced heads in that dressing room, especially after losing someone like Conor Kenna. Mm. How do the first division clubs, because so many go up but always seem to come back down, how do they? How can they make that progress and stay in the Premier Division? What's needed? Financial investment. It all comes back to financial investment, doesn't it? But uh, if it was that easy, then they'd all have big money backers behind them. But... Uh, yeah, it, when you're scrapping around in the first division, the gates aren't that big. It's hard to get sponsors... Um, and then you do eventually get up and you're taking on the likes of Dundalk, Shamrock Rovers that have, you know, multi um million pound backers behind them or your backers behind them, then um it's it's very, very difficult to compete at that level. Just a quick one, Kieran, on that, like and you're hearing some of the rumours of obviously some of the talks that Noel Quinn and Owens are having with some of the League of Ireland teams and and, and on, on its future. I presume the first division is as part of that conversation as well, because obviously I don't want to take it for granted, but it is a, a both leagues in itself and not just trying to make sure the Premier is as strong as it is. Would, it, would I be right in saying that? Yeah, well, this is where I'd have a major issue with there being um, a First Division Club Alliance and a Premier Division Club Alliance. Yeah. It's the one league, it's the League of Ireland. I don't see why all 20... There's only yeah. 20 clubs. It's not England. We don't have 92 league clubs here. We have 20. Um, I find that we only have 19 now if you exclude Shamrock Rovers' second side uh, because Limerick obviously have gone out of the league. So... The fact we can't get 19 clubs into a room together and sit mm. down to discuss the, the blueprint going forward, that's been the, ma- the major and one of the main problems with Irish football down the decades. Clubs don't talk to each other. They don't cooperate enough. There's signs here and there every now and again that that's started to change, but we're still not seeing enough of it for me. Would you be fearful of a potential Super League, a bit like the way Caulfield suggested, that eventually they might kind of want just a 10-team and then there's a subdivisions? Or would you be a bit fearful of that further down the line? But look, there's, there's arguments both ways to that. I, I can understand that other countries have done it. I know John Coffey referenced the, the countries that have done mm. it and have had success. And I think he was discussing maybe a, a league as small as eight teams. Mm. You can understand the top teams like Dundalk, Shamrock Rovers. They're trying to bridge the gap in Europe and, and really push on. And at the same time, you have clubs then that are barely getting 100 people in the gate. Yeah. So you're only as strong as the bottom link in the league. And it's very hard for a league to develop when, when there is some clubs that are just struggling to survive. So... You can see arguments both ways. For um, I just think there needs to be proper structure. I think the biggest uh, issue we have is we don't have a pyramid system in Ireland. Mm. There's no way for your, your Sunday league team to go up and play in the top flight. They don't have ambitions to do that. Whereas if you look to England, you can have a pub team on a Sunday and they can magically work, work their way up the leagues and, and they want to do that. Whereas here in Ireland, the, the Leinster Senior League teams, they're mostly happy where they are. Munster Senior teams, Ulster Senior teams, they're all happy where they are. Been the big fish in, in no disrespect, a small pond. Mm. And they don't see playing in the League of Ireland as the ultimate goal, and that's 
a major, major problem. Mm. I, I think probably they're outpriced as well because, as you said, it costs money to, to get into even the first oh, division. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it so, could be um, a quarter of a million just to, to run your team. In, in the yeah, there's no financial incentives or um, financial supports. Again, Vinny Fatley was on the show this week and he spoke about how in Australia, if a new team comes into the league, they're bankrolled for the first three years. <laughs> that would never happen here under the FAI. So you can see why clubs are, are reluctant to join it because they're probably making a small profit and they're quite happy going along as they are at the moment they come into the League of Ireland and it's a, it's a financial basket case as you can see with Limerick mm. How would you address it do you think if you, if you were in charge if you were the main man how, how would you address it? Well the first thing that needs to happen there needs to be actual prize money I mean winning the league and getting 110,000 it, and then in the first division you're only getting 25,000 you have to pay over 15,000 to enter so mm. that maths doesn't work straight away uh, and then, as I mentioned, 110 in the Premier Division. There's no way you can compete in Europe with money like that. Um, when a game is televised, clubs, they're not getting paid. And not only that, they're actually losing money off the game because people are staying at home to watch it. They're not getting any financial um, compensation off the television companies that are showing these games. Uh, so again, prize money, TV money. Um, I know, obviously, the talks about the All-Ireland League going on at the moment, and that's the main focus. And um, away from the financial side of things, then, as I said, a pyramid system where a team in, team in the Leinster Senior League can actually have ambitions of, of playing in the League of Ireland and not only surviving but thriving in it. You have Cheltenham coming up with uh, the Bar 1 racing and everyone else, obviously, who's going over to it. But, of course, Nata River is out of the Gold Cup uh, with injury. But what is the best Andy Post bet that you have for the festival? Well, I'm going to treat you tonight. I'm going to give you three Andy Post <laughs> bets for the, uh, for the festival. And uh, just to mention as well, Bar 1 Racing are non-runner cash back for every race at this year's festival. So if you back one and it's a non-runner, you will get your cash back. And they're also going to be price boosting all the favourites in your shops as well and online on bar1racing.com. So they're going to price boost the live show favourites for all the races as well. And there's more offers to come over the next couple of weeks. So. Oh, they'll keep you, Kieran. They'll keep you. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, let's move on to the... Uh, I'll, I'll give you my three. Come on. Um, I'm going to give you the one that for me is a start. Envoy Allen, 11 to 10 for the Ballymore. Seven wins from seven. Stepped up to two mile four for the first time under rules. He did win um, a point race over that trip in the past, but first time uh, under rules in the Grade One Lawlers and Ace last time. And he was probably slightly workmanlike uh, more than we've seen in the past. But Gordon Elliott was very keen to stress afterwards how happy he was after the race that for the first time Envoy Allen had actually been headed in the closing stages and got back up to win. So it shows a certain fighting character. And uh, for me, the horse is—he's been described as one of the most exciting novices of the season, and that's definitely spot on for me. And uh, nothing touches him in, in that race for me. So 11 to 10, Envoy Allen uh, for the Ballymore. Uh, looking to the champion hurdle again, going to raise a red flag here straight away. Honeysuckle may not run in this one. She could go for the mares, but as I said, you'll get your uh, your, your money back if, if she's a non-runner in this one. Um, holds entries for the mares, as I said, but the champion uh, the champion hurdle, it's wide open this year. Uh, I think she's well worth her place in the big race. Uh, six to one, so you can even have a little each-way play with that one. Uh, like Envoy Allen, she's unbeaten in seven starts under rules, and uh, she showed her class last time um, when getting the better Dara Star in a fantastic race. Dara Star, by the way, is trained in loud, so he'll have plenty of support around these parts when the festival does come around. Um, but I, I just think she's got an amazing turn of foot, and uh, I think the two-mile triple suit or so. Six to six to one at the moment, Honeysuckle for, for the champion hurdle. And the last one I'm going to give you is also six to one. It's latest exhibition for the Albert Bartlett. I absolutely love this horse. He's been on my uh, racing TV tracker for a long time now. He's trained by Paul Nolan, and uh, he caught an upset. It was described as an upset at the time when turning over Andy Dufresne in the Grade 2 uh, Navin Novice Hurdle in December. But I actually backed him that day as his form lines were very, very strong. He had just been behind Abracadabras, gave him a real scare. 
prior to that and he was also a decent bumper performer he won his only maiden start in a big field of 20 runners and he uh, he really caught my eye a long time ago so um, he gave Paul Doan on his first grade one success in 2013 when bolting up at the Dublin Racing Festival last time so I think he's brilliant value at 6-1 to one. and again with the non-runner uh, cash back you, you can have a little each way play there Kieran, that's absolutely excellent. You would not see two people across from me write so fast on their notepads. <laughs> so they're going to be very disappointed if these don't win. Kieran, that's brilliant. Bar One Racing, uh, what's the website address? And, uh, yeah, baronracing.com and uh, new customers can get a €30 euro free bet when they sign up and stake €10 euro or more on their first online bet. And there's the Bar One Racing app as well. Uh, on the Google Play and the Apple so even easier access to all the latest odds and offers Brilliant people would be a fool not to get onto it Kieran, thanks very much we'll definitely have you back on it's going to be hugely interesting to see how the First Division uh, evolves this year uh, Long for town for the title all the way <laughs> <laughs> Fingers luck. crossed thanks Kieran. talk to you Good soon luck, thanks very much